Hello and Sairam and welcome to everybody. Nice to have people around already. Before we start, I just wanted to request all of you, if you can, uh, you know, like and uh, follow the VIA page on Facebook, uh, Values in Action page, and also on the YouTube. That way, for the further telecast or further further sessions, uh, the information can come to you easily, and I will not bombard you with all the emails and uh, WhatsApp messages. So it will be nice if all of you can subscribe to that. And the same channel on the YouTube if you go and subscribe it. And similarly for the Facebook page. So please do that. That will help us to communicate better. And uh, I openly welcome everybody to share their thoughts on the sessions which are happening. If you have any questions or if you want to have a session on a particular thing or topic, uh, please feel free to uh, send a note to us. You can write me either on WhatsApp me or you can write it here on a comment or you can email us. So anyways is fine. Uh, more we hear, the more we can plan the programs according to that. And uh, as far as this uh, coronavirus thing is going on, so we have enough time to play around with, with ourselves. So before we start, let us... Uh, as I normally do, let us do with our prayers and we'll take it from there. Please, uh, you can read it with me, after me. Oh Lord, take my love and let it flow in fullness of devotion to thee. Oh Lord, take my hands and let them work incessantly for thee. Oh Lord, Take my soul and let it be merged in one with thee. O Lord, take my mind and thoughts and let them be in tune with thee. O Lord, take my everything and let me be an instrument to work for thee. Today, I am venturing to discuss on a topic or share my thoughts on a topic which was given by our master Bhagwan Sri Satya Sai Baba. It's a very universal thought. It's a very ancient thought, but very applicable. You might have seen today there's a lot of talk about various kinds of meditation. People are getting into yoga, pranayama, breathing techniques. And uh, many masters have come up with many, many styles and different. Like you have uh, Vipassana meditation. You have uh, you know, Sambhai Mudra meditation. So there are so many ways in which we are, we are you know, getting interested into this mystical science of uh, consciousness. One can logically question that why do we need all of that and what is the basis of it? The whole, if you really summarize it, 
somebody asking us to control breath somebody asking us to focus on our you know breathing and controlling our seating postures learning some postures or doing whatever is to bring our consciousness our awareness to a point within us which will make us realize the same fact who am i this question is a perpetual and eternal question of who am i koham and our master gave us a very easy solution to that and he said the koham the answer is soham soham means that i am i am that is soham so he said you breathe when you breathe in you you know take a inhalation and you see the sound it is so when you exhale it becomes hum so our master said this is the answer to that eternal question which people have been asking that when you breathe in it says i am that so hum that i am now what is that is the question and why do i need to explore that is our quest now this is whole thing to understand is you know in a simple way we say happiness is our quest everybody wants to be happy when i breathe in i find peace i find calmness when i focus on one point i feel something relaxed i feel good ultimately the whole concept is unless and until we know who we are unless we know what i am i will never be able to find fulfillment in my life so this concept of soham is very important and to my little understanding to my you know whatever little studies i have done and whatever i have grasped from the master's learning is that the whole concept of pranayama or different techniques of meditation it all stems from this basic philosophy of soham soham meditation is very ancient and it takes us from there what it basically does to us is it makes us realize always be aware of ourselves always be aware that what we are achieving in life what we are in life is ourselves this soham technique is that is the beauty of this breathing cycle that it helps us to realize who we are now when we talk about and that is what he said if you constantly being aware of of your identity your true self then your life will change and whatever you do with that conscious awareness of who you are you will be different the way you will look will be different the way you think will be different the way you conduct will be different apparently people may feel that everything is same but internally the game will be totally different so constant integrated awareness is that awareness which remains constantly fixed on something what is that so let us explore it further awareness of self so when i look at what is self our scriptures explain to us the definition of self 
if at all there can be, it is Sat, Chit, and Ananda, what is translated as truth, consciousness, and bliss. Now, it's also an attribute of the self, if you look at it. This is an attribute of the self, which explains what is this? Who am I? So when I ask who am I, this is a beautiful question which comes into play. So the attribute, only way to understand myself will be from my attributes. And our scriptures, our scriptures help us to understand it by giving us these three words. That if you want to know who you are, concentrate and contemplate on your attribute, which is Sat, Chit and Ananda, which is the truth. That truth which never changes. Your consciousness, you are that sublime, pure, unsullied, eternal, where nothing is imprinted. You are that. Then you are, the expression of it is bliss. So if you have these three elements, that is what makes us. And who is that? And this is what we have to contemplate on. Today, when we discuss these things, we are always confused as to how do we explain this? How do we understand this? Now, there are two kinds of awareness. One is external and one is internal. Now, external awareness is all based on our senses. What we perceive and what we interact through our five senses, five sense organs, that becomes our external awareness. And the internal awareness is the conscious of, you know, the play of consciousness. Now, the beauty of this is that even in the external consciousness, we are not yet aware. I want to tell you a story here. It is from Shiva Puran, a mythological history of our Lord Shiva, in which it says that, you know, mother was interested to learn more about certain aspects of life. Even though she was a consort of the Lord Shiva himself, but she wanted, she had not achieved the next level of, you know, the knowledge, so to say. So when she insists on that, Lord Shiva says, okay, I accept you as my student. So get ready. Tomorrow we are going to start the session. So she's very excited. Early morning, she takes baths and she dresses up and uh, she comes to the classroom, so to say. Lord Shiva is already seated. He's waiting for her. And as soon as she arrives, Lord looks at her and says, did you take bath? Now she's a bit shocked because she has taken bath. She's well-dressed. But the question was asked by the master, so she couldn't respond, but she just nodded, yes. The master says, no, go and take bath. So there was no argument. A good students don't argue, they follow. So she gets up and goes for a bath, and again, she takes bath, changes into new clothes, and comes back again. And the moment she comes and sits, Lord looks at her again and says, you didn't take bath, go and take bath again. She is shocked, but she can't say anything. She gets up, goes back again, takes bath, changes, 
Cain comes back. Again, Lord looks at her and says, not yet. Go back and take bath again. She is surprised and she is not sure as to what is happening. But she does not you know, dare to question the master. So she again goes back. And this happens a couple of times. And she gets frustrated to an extent. But she is not in a position to express her frustration. After multiple times of her taking bath, coming back, and again asked, being asked to go back, she pauses. And while going for bath, she thinks, why is the master telling me again and again to go and take bath? Am I not really taking bath? Or what is bathing? What is the process of bath? And in that contemplation, she goes into the place of Shah. It seems there was a kind of a waterfall and she stands underneath and lets the water fall on her. She closes her eyes and feels every droplet touching her skin and falling off. In that state of awareness, when she is totally aware of every breeze touching her, every water droplet falling on her, she enjoys the bath differently. She changes and comes back. And when she sits in front of the master, the master starts the session. This reminds me that even the external awareness we lack. In our standard, if you look at it, you know, sometimes an ant crawls on us. And until unless the ant bites us, we don't even know that the ant has crawled all the way up to my leg or up. And only when I hit it, I realized that, oh my God, there was an ant. And the reason was that I did not have that realization, that awareness of myself, that when something touches my feet or crawls on my skin, I don't feel it. Because my conscious awareness is not all over even my external being. So that is how limited our awareness itself is. And this is what is the catch to realize that we have not yet achieved an external sensual awareness also. And imagine we are expected to be aware of our breath. So breathing, it's not that we have to first achieve the external, then we can go for breathing. No. It, is, it can happen both, but we have to realize that the, the activity is required on both ends. So even if I keep focusing on my nose tip or on my middle of my eyebrow or my breath in, breath out, I may not achieve much even after months and years of my practice unless and until we have this clarity of understanding what is awareness. Have I developed the knack, the style of inquiry, the style of self-introspection. Only when I go through that, only when I have indulged myself into it, entertained myself into it, explored in that arena, then I will start experiencing the joy of awareness. And this is what is important when we talk about 
awareness. Now, somebody asked a very beautiful question. You know, I was reading some questions here. Like, how do we live with that awareness? It's very natural. We always feel that, you know, it is good to talk about it. It is good to know that, yes, one should be aware because that is the way to be in now. We talk about living in present because unless we understand what is present, how to live in now, we cannot enjoy life. We cannot be find fulfillment. But how do we do that? Can it be possible that we can have this constant awareness and we conduct in our life? We cook, clean, drive, go to work, in the, inter, entertain people, interact with hundreds. So all that we are doing, but how can we still focus on the Satchit Ananda, the concept of oneness, the breath? It sounds really very difficult. So we need a retreat, you know, you know, take a break from here, go and breathe and then come back. How do we do that together? For that, I have a story to tell, another story. The story is from the life of a greatest uh, contemporary saint. I'm just using the word loosely. He's verily an incarnation of Lord. His name was Maharshi Ramana. Ramana Maharshi, we used to call him. A great saint who spoke very little but conveyed everything by his presence. He attained self-realization when he was hardly a teenage boy and he remained in that state for the rest of his life, helping, elevating people. One day, a devotee came to him and asked the same question that, Master, I want to be always in your contemplative mode, but my duties as, as a husband, as father, as worker, distracts me. How do I combine these two? As, as usual, Ramana did not speak much. He was quietly smiling at him. At the same time, another devotee walked in and that devotee carried a bowl of sweets. And it so happened that Ramana liked that devotee, that the devotee who asked this question to the master had, you know, had a fancy towards these typical, the particular sweets. So once he saw the sweet, his eyes, you know, started shining. So Ramana looked at him and he said, do you want to eat that, right? He said, yes. He said, okay, I'll give you a task. And you can eat as many as you want, but you have to focus on my eyes. When I blink, you start eating. And when I blink, you stop eating. So between the two blinks, you can eat as much as you want. So the devotee was excited. He said, it's a good game. I'm going to get to eat something. So he said, yes, master, I'm ready. Others who started watching it, it was, you can imagine how excited that Ramana is playing a game with this devotee. So he kept his hand on the bowl of the sweet and he stared at the master's eyes, focused watching when he'll blink and he'll start eating. So Ramana looked at him and he blinked and this man started eating 
his eyes were focused on ravana's eyes and his other hand was busy picking up and putting in the mouth and this continued he must have eaten good number when ramana blinked again and he stopped there was a sweet laughter and ramana said how many did you eat he said i i think i ate some seven eight sweets ramana said while you were eating you didn't look at the sweet where was your focus he said master i was looking at your eyes because i was supposed to you know focus on your eyes ramana said this is the way to live in your life you conduct by your hand by your organs but your focus should remain there that tat now this story this analogy which ramana maharshi presented i find it very inspirational something easy to comprehend that how one should live there was one student who asked this question like how do i study and then chant god's name or remember god now master gave a very beautiful solution for that also he said there is nothing to leave and start you know it's a journey even that studying itself is an offering so when you have started studying just say oh lord oh god oh sai whatever name is convenient and comfortable for you you offer him and start studying when you take a break again you chant his name and say thank you very much and go on if you can think of the master if you can think of your lord if you can think of your divine beginning and at the end of your activity you have started the journey towards him so there is this constant integrated awareness is when you do not differentiate between you know one thing to another you don't differentiate between a, an activity dedicated for god or spirituality and activity dedicated for my mundane materialistic life no there is nothing different spirituality becomes one big arena there is nothing outside this purview we have to use these terminologies just to explain just to understand it but ultimately when we start gathering comprehending these things we realize that there is nothing different we all are same everything is one and we have this thing that you know we yes we talk about different consciousness we talk about awareness what is the basic difference now this is another thought which keeps popping up when we talk about constant integrated awareness we called it why did we call it consciousness so what is the difference between consciousness and awareness see it's very beautifully explained you know in the ocean if you go towards the ocean side you see a, a lighthouse and they beam a huge light at night and wherever it the light can be seen from miles away wherever the light spot falls you can see a big bright light and everything you can see there but rest is dark right so this is the difference between consciousness and awareness the spotlight is like an awareness and the ocean behind is consciousness so when you 
whatever we are realizing that i am realizing myself i am feeling my breath i am feeling my physical body i am feeling my internal breath cycle that the more i start experiencing it that is my awareness and when this awareness expands to a level that i encompass the whole cosmic creation then it becomes consciousness so that is why it's interchangeable but technically to understand that that supreme consciousness is in us as our awareness so this awareness is also at the level of conscious being conscious conscience and consciousness so that's why it's called the constant integrated awareness when we remain constantly integrated into this awareness of self of being then slowly slowly we will merge into the consciousness so this is the important thing which we need to keep in mind look at this now what are the stages of consciousness i'm just sharing these thoughts because when you are contemplating on it it is important for us to have a little bit of background to understand what happens what experiences do we gain in life because many times we experience things in life and it is difficult for us to comprehend and understand what we are experiencing we also have three bodies what we call it as gross body subtle and causal body sthula sukshma and karan sharir now this consciousness stays in all of these levels in sthul sharir we call it vaishvanara it's a waking stage you know when we chant even brahmarpanam the food prayer we say there is a fire within us which is Bra- vaishvanara which actually helps us to sustain our physical body physical body the physical world and that is sthul sharira so our consciousness in the shape of fire in the shape of consciousness is called vaishvanara the same consciousness when you come to the sukshma level the subtle body which encompasses the mind's level our mind state of mind it is not this small little mind our mind has got many levels and there it is tejas when we chant brahma sorry gayatri mantra we understand and it says dhyo yona prachodayat when we talk about that dhyo yona enlightenment it is the tejas state and that is experienced in somewhat deep sleep state dream state and then comes the causal state which is the cause of this birth what we call causal karna sharir is cause what causes this body and that is this body that is in that state the consciousness is called pragna there all our vasanas all those things come into play and that is our impulses and that is the impulse state which is called in which remains in the karna sharir and inside that is sitting that state of supreme consciousness that reflection that aspect of the supreme consciousness which we call atma purusha energy whatever you want to call it the iness and in that state the experience is called thurya so these are the four states stages of the consciousness 
Similarly, moving forward, we understand that the gross body, subtle body, and causal body, that is called bhuta, chitta, and chidakasha, that is body and the mind state and the impulsive state, impulses, all vasanas. Now, I'm not dwelling more on it because this is another topic, but for the purpose of uh, constant CIA, I just wanted to highlight this so that when you are contemplating on this, you will have a little bit of exposure to understand that the experiences which you are facing, they can be of different levels. So when you are meditating, when you are doing your breath cycles, when you're doing anything of this nature, your experiences will cross your physicality and go into your subtle levels. So it is important for us to understand. Now, once we are doing that, it's also important to understand what it leads us to. See, then we say that when we die, what dies? The body is anyways changing. Every three to six months, the whole body changes. Even the bones change in a year's time or something. So the whole body is actually dying every second. And new elements are joining in. So what is actually living and what is actually dying? So if you really look at from that aspect, we understand that these three elements, the body, when it leaves the and life leaves the body goes back into ether our five elements and the mind element the second body goes into again it goes back into the five elements by releasing our vasanas and desires which holds us back actually and our goal is that our soul that that aspect of consciousness must also merge into the supreme consciousness okay so this is this is the background information, so to say. I wanted all of us to have it so that we can look at it. Now comes the practicality of the constant integrated awareness. So when we look at it, now there are certain things we, as a concept I'm going to share today, which will help us to remain in this CIA state or help us to at least practice this constant integrated awareness because many times we we try attempt and then emotions and something comes in and we are distracted now the first concept which i'm going to share here is is detached attachment or dispassionately passionate i call it in a different way i have been using this term for a long time because it somehow captures the essence which I'm trying to, you know, convey. Detached attachment. Bhagwan Baba once explained that you must have attachment like a school principal. You know, he said, when a principal comes to a school, he's totally attached to everything. He is, he owns the school. He looks after every children. He's responsible for every child in the school. He is responsible for the furniture, for the building, for everything he's, he's looking at, correct? So he's so possessed, he's attached. He looks like as if he's attached to every, everything, every child. But the moment school gets over, what happens to him? The children leave and then 
he has got no attachment with them anybody he doesn't call the mother of the house and says hello did my child eat he never questions anybody because for him the responsibility given to him at that point of time is done so he is kind of detached but attached but if he hears about any child he will be passionately engaging into himself but otherwise he's aloof so this is detached attachment dispassionately passionate is when you are in the task when the task is given to you do it with a full concentration with full passion with full engagement be it a service project be it a professional project be it for pay for without pay but when we do something we do it with full passion but when the time is up we can wipe our hands wash our hand and walk out but why is it important if you really think about it because when we get attached see for doing some things passionately you need to be attached to that correct you must feel belonged you must feel as if you own it otherwise the passion the excitement will not come true but if you remain attached then you are not allowing yourself to go forward to expand to increase so if you look at it from that perspective then you will understand that unless we detach ourselves unless we have this sense of detachment from the whole system we will never be able to move forward and expand in life we will remain restricted in this areas if we do not learn detached attachment so attachment and passion is required to work but detachment and dispassionate is required to let off let go and move forward in life imagine a parent being passionate attached to his child bringing up giving all the good facilities giving all the nourishment and nurturing for upbringing of the child but if the parents do not practice detached and dispassionate way of doing it then they will start suppressing the child's growth and it will become a hindrance in the parenting process so if a parent wants to be a good parent they need to work with attachment and with passion but simultaneously must practice detachment and dispassionate also so this is a very important thing so when we are practicing breathing when we are practicing that constant awareness we have to understand that the more my hand is engaged in activities my mind is still detached the more i am engaged into doing my duties of life my internal being is attached somewhere else i am that i am that my hand can do this but my head should be somewhere didn't our master say this beautiful thing you know hand in the society head in the forest so this is very helpful unity in diversity is another sweet concept which will be discussed in a different way but here just wanted to let you know to understand that the iness in me we have to just understand this that is same in others 
if i am the child of god so are others if child if father is god god is father of the whole creation then i am connected to every atom of this creation correct so if you if we contemplate on these thoughts that also leads us into a concept of unified living when we start understanding that yes that bottle in hand that dog on the street the tree in my garden the fruit there we all are connected and we have to understand this unity and the and the beauty of this whole constant integrated awareness is that it also helps us from moving from i to we concept so that is what in sanskrit is written here is from vyashti samashti srishti and parmeshti vyashti is the me the individual self samashti is the society srishti is the creation and parmeshti is the creator so the constant integrated awareness these are kind of a checklist for us to understand that unless and until you know i am moving from the feeling of me mine to we us then society then the nation if i don't see this expansion happening in my heart that means i am not yet progressing so we can even use these as a checklist for our own self assessment as to am i really feeling that oneness with people am i really moving away from me mine and thinking about others have i really expanded my awareness my consciousness which can engulf my whole family my whole society my whole country and my world if that expansion is not happening even after practicing that means there is something wrong the process is faulted and this is what we are supposed to focus on so i would use these i would use these as a checklist so to say to understand that am i moving forward properly or not i will take this rest in the question okay so i just wanted to take it forward because i think too much concept will again bring us here i wanted to share with you that how we have seen now different cycles of breathing pranayamas we are doing it but what it helps and how does it play with now if you understand from the physical prospect physical body aspect the breathing helps so it is not to say that somebody is not evolved enough to do pranayama or nothing like that you can choose whichever way you like but you will feel a comfort level in each stage so you can choose it so when we do our breathing exercises only remain there focusing on breath so we are dealing with our physicality physical body and when we start regulating and monitoring our breath then we are moving into the pranamaya kosha which is our vital breath sheath and then from there when we move into being aware of ourselves in our physicality when we are being aware of our breath in breathe out that state comes as a mindful awareness and that is where 
there is so much of sessions happening around the world <coughs> on <coughs> mindfulness actually i was very fortunate to have attended a course with zen masters and uh, i've learned a lot from them too and how they practically use that in fact i like their attitude of you know breaking every half an hour giving yourself a break every half an hour when the clock ticks you take a time off and concentrate on breath just breathe in breathe out and smile simple they give you a good technique at least that way you are forcing yourself to come back again and again into your constant awareness process because when you are flowing then hours can roll by and you will not realize that hey i forgot to you know bring back my attention and when you do this practices slowly slowly then a stage will come when you will have better control on your breath when you will have better understanding of your breath cycles and you will have better control on your whole being per se so the mindful awareness state is the manomaya kosha the mind sheath we play with and then from there higher the inner more subtler is the vigyanamaya kosha which is called the intelligence sheath it is that conscious sheath you know what we loosely say gut feeling you know sometimes we say i have a gut feeling that this is right what is this gut feel which you get which cannot be explained through logic the mind cannot explain why you feel the way you feel mind cannot explain your your judgment sometimes you feel i don't like it something is not right but there is no logical explanation everything is fine around you but what hits you is that subtlety and that is where you are connected at that time with your intelligence vigyanamaya kosha that sheath of vigyana which tells you which prompts you about right and not right so if we are moving in the life it is also important for us to keep nurturing nourishing these koshas because more and more we supplement we feed them they'll become stronger and stronger you know like the people say that if you get a good feeling don't snub it encourage it the more you snub it it dies down then you won't even hear the voice of your consciousness as they say but if you keep nourishing it if you keep nurturing if you keep encouraging it then that gets louder and louder and that one day will become so big it will engulf you and everybody around you so that sheath which which enlightens us which inspires us from within that is intelligence sheath and when we start contemplating 24/7 in that state of being whether i am walking running talking eating watching a movie going for work driving but if my constant mind is going back onto the focus point that is the state of cia so you can see the flow on it and once after that our scriptures tell you that man can only make an effort okay we can never never you know finally say that yes i have arrived or i know what i'm doing not possible it is not important it's not necessary that whatever efforts you put you will get the same results the result is always a mystery and it gets defined by our expectations and it gets defined by our own interpretation of the result
whereas in the process result is important but not the way we interpret result sometimes when the inter our interpretation and the outcome given outcome is same we feel that yes see everything is right but actually our interpretation and the outcome can differ and that difference may be the problem so our, in our hand is our effort if our effort is done properly then the result will be right the interpretation of result may not be same but the result will be right so it may appear to be not right but ultimately when you look back and you think about it you will realize that that was the best result one could expect under the given situation so that is the beauty of this constant integrated awareness when you when we start living in it when we start consciously conducting ourselves in this format then we take this cia to that next level and when we start feeling oneness when we start feeling one with the whole cosmic being to so the mindfulness as we understand is creating 716 okay so i think i will close it here but in case any question so far because now we are getting into the practicality we can even continue further and we can do another session on a little bit of practicality of cia and we can look at all the aspects but so far is there any question that you would like to ask i can see all on the screen if anybody has any questions people have people you can switch on your videos then i can know who's there and who is interested and you are free to ask anything share anything we have another 15 20 minutes to go and uh, i can certainly try to connect it to the process letting go of outcome which is object power karan you are writing connected to process passion letting go of outcome which is object bound can you please explain what did you really mean is it a statement or is it a question navesh do you have anything to say i'm trying to read through the uh, comments here and the questions can without detachment in sansara can one merge in the super consciousness <laughs> i wish i was merged so i could tell you honestly but theoretically speaking as our master explains to us there is nothing called detachment as long as we have the body consciousness so when we say body consciousness that means we are attached we are connected so the only way you can detached so to say is to attach yourself to something different so best part is that's why baba used to say you know it's like that insect the leaf eating insect when it finishes when it's about to finish the leaf it goes and catches the other one then it finishes the last one 
so the beauty is you attach yourself to god and keep conducting yourself in the world and the more and more your grip on the world becomes stronger you can let go the world completely and this will happen naturally that is important fact that's why i was trying to tell you the outcome is not in our hand we don't know how much time it will take for us we don't know when and in what shape the outcome will come to us but what is important is our effort so if we continuously keep walking on this path taking us to another level is our master's job and so scriptures also tell us that you can go up to vigyanamaya kosha you can attempt even there you need grace of the master no doubt about it without guru you cannot you cannot even move a step forward but after that is certainly totally grace of god so you cannot go beyond that state without the master himself calling us but till there also you need grace but there is a kind of effort required because we have the body consciousness we have the duality in us and the more and more we get attached to that supreme that higher that so hum that naturally the detachment towards the physicality will go will happen naturally so it is not something that you and i can force on ourselves we can pretend but in this area pretension can take us only to an extent not further mindful awareness mindful awareness basically mindful awareness what i am trying to explain here is we are sharing this is consciously being aware of who am i you know i'll give you another thought from bhagwan's statement he has challenged us that it is not enough that you follow what i say you have to live if you can live the way i live if you can think like me then you are really following me so imagine our challenge is to think how my master would think in this situation can you imagine that so we are supposed to think like god we are supposed to act like god if you are a mother and you have three children as a mother you love everybody equally see so it's easy for you to understand what a mother can be but now if you jump up and say how a god can be imagine a, a god the love of hundreds and thousands of mother put together how will that and that is mindful living if the constant thought comes that that how do i remain there how did he live how did the master live 24/7 in that state of being in which there is nothing outside him he loved everybody everything equally even the birds the dogs the animals the human beings everybody was same for him can we think like him many people say it's blasphemous even to think like that but the challenge is we can think like any tom we can think like 
movie you know stars we can think like villains we can think like dogs and donkeys why can't we attempt to think like god for us for change we have already thought about so much about every way okay i know how my teacher would think i know how my boss would behave i know how my wife would conduct see we are easy to put ourselves in the shoes of so many people for a change let us put ourselves in the shoe of god then the life would change now i'm getting some questions here so i'll quickly read through i cannot talk it is still which is it okay uh, richard okay so it's a detachment desireless can be is detachment and desireless same no no detachment is not owning is not is a ownership feature desirelessness is a is a absolute state wherein only desireless state i think is possible only when you have arrived so detachment is a process desirelessness is a state could be the process is always in the present moment in our awareness isn't it goal outcome is in the mind and therefore subjective the process karen i am going to sh- uh, share with everybody this question the process is always in the present moment in our awareness isn't it goal outcome is in mind and therefore subjective well you can say that yes uh that's why i was uh, highlighting that you know let us not worry about outcome and goals because it is really not so important unless and until we have developed a clear understanding of the outcome otherwise the outcome which we perceive to be correct may be different from what actually outcome is so you are right here the process is always yes and the process is in the present moment you're right so if you keep living in the present then obviously you are on the right track thank you punam the prayer which we did beginning i meant okay so this is asking a question about uh, all we say to god but last line i say god take my everything how to be ready or what spiritual understanding i need to do well as i said this is a prayer written by the master himself so it's an absolutely wonderful uh, thought it takes us from offering ourselves from heart and mind and then it takes take everything it's like an aarti you know so don't worry about how it will come start the journey as karen just said you know don't worry about the outcome let's worry about the journey so start offering one by one and you will see the need of offering also will disappear and he will take care of everything thiru is asking uh, body mind and soul is already let me flash it is already integrated which makes us a living being so how we are, are we going to integrate that which is already integrated by nature <laughs> interesting integration does not mean physically in one place when we say about integration is an alignment so your body your mind and soul what you perceive yes it could be in this frame that is how you are perceiving it 
but are they in alignment that is the that is the key so the alignment of body mind and soul is the key factor is your body doing exactly what your mind believes and thinks and is your mind in the alignment of your true nature of your soul that if i am a human being do i understand that is my mind clear about what humanity means what humanness means do i represent those eternal core human values of life do i understand that that is mind that means the mind is in alignment with my soul then is my body conducting according to my five alignments my sorry my values if these three are in alignment then we have integrated otherwise we are in one place but we are not integrated yet you have a family in the house you have four members in the family but it does not mean that the family is united so the unity of these three the union of these three is the key and that is the integration that we are talking about we have each individual is different ferry is asking in terms of self understanding how can we increase our awareness little by little is it with meditation reading a book or have any practical things to share ferry if i can you know be honest self understanding is a journey brother every day we gain little bit little but the beauty of it is it happened to me once i'll share with you a small uh, you know incident which happened in my life once we were discussing about uh, you know life with my teacher in my school days and i i was kind of disheartened i said sir people like vivekananda jesus or ramana maharshi they were they were differently made <laughs> you know they could they did so much and here we are not even able to comprehend small things of life uh, what is the hope for us we have no hope in life i was in that you know mood and he actually scolded me and he said how dare you insult the creator how dare you even say something like that which is actually pointing a finger at your master and he gave me a very beautiful analogy he said what was ramana maharshi just before he got tired and he slept on the floor and he was a realized being he was an ordinary child he went he was a mischievous child playing around and suddenly the experience happened so the beauty of life is that none of us know where we stand none of us know how close we have already reached so to say that i am far is like saying god god you have made a mistake i must trust my master maybe i am just standing next to him i just need to just turn my face and i'll see him but i can't give up i cannot give up at this point of time and that is the key so never i would only humbly request never get into this kind of thought process that you know where are we and uh, how do i do it and if i can do it it's a journey 
So let us start, even if we have to start today, let us start because we don't know how fast the master can take us. It all requires our genuineness, how genuinely you want to reach him, how crave that craving in you, how much stronger it is in you. That's all it matters. So don't let us not worry about how soon or how far it is. And can I understand or what should I do? Just start. Let us start by breathing. Let us start by thinking. Let us start by contemplating on him. Let us start by repeating his name. Let us start by thinking ourselves. Inquiry. So all these is a process. There is nothing fixed. You can take a formal route and go through the ritualistic patterns. Or you can just do so-called unritualistic and you know sing and dance anywhere you like. It does not matter as long as your focus is directed in achieving what you want to achieve in life, period. You know, one day somebody is asking, what is meditation and concentration? How do we develop concentration? Baba, Bhagwan Baba very beautifully said, he said, people who teach concentration are actually cheating. He says, concentration is kind of given to human beings. You can't even talk if you don't have concentration. You can't walk, you can't sit, you can't eat. You can do nothing if you do not have concentration. Concentration is part of us. So we don't need to practice or get what we already have. And we are practicing it. Why don't we acknowledge it? Then comes the meditation. Meditation, what we call, is a state which happens. We don't do it. That is the key which we have to understand. What we do is contemplation. Sitting in a you know, lotus posture, contemplation of breath, concentration here, focusing, all either it is a jyoti meditation or whatever we use techniques, all that we are doing to bring the mind, focus onto one thing and develop contemplation. We start contemplating and that is CIA. Constantly integrated awareness of thought, continuously thinking, continuously focusing ourselves back. Then meditation happens. Meditation is not what we are you know, doing. These are all exercise, physical exercise. That's why people can meditate even standing, even walking, even sleeping. It does not matter. Meditation is a state where we reach once we have aligned ourselves in this process. So think from that perspective. So meditation, yes, we use the term loosely, no doubt about it. We use the term meditation and saying that, hey, you know, I am meditating. So actually what I'm doing is I'm just sitting in a posture which is required. Because discipline is required for every child. We are all growing children in the path of spirituality. So initially, we need discipline. And for discipline, postures, breath control, focusing on the flame, or focusing on an idol, or focusing on something, is required. These are all goalposts. These are all kind of a helping tools. But they are not meditation. It's called dharana, dhyan, samadhi. So what we are interpreting dhyan as meditation is wrong is dhyan is actually contemplation. 
and the meditation is samadhi samadhi means in sanskrit is samadhi which means equality equilibrium when your conscious state of your consciousness becomes equilibrium when you find everything to be same pain and pleasure to be same happiness and sorrow to be same when nothing impacts you internally you enjoy the emotions without getting attached that is a state of samadhi in which no sorrow impacts you no joy elevates you well that is a state of samadhi that's why i said as they explain to us in bhagavad gita and other scriptures that samadhi the state of meditation is not achieved that way it is bestowed on us so samadhi is given to us once we have arrived once we have achieved that's why a beautiful statement they say you know don't look for teachers prepare yourself to be a student and the teacher will come to you the good teachers are all waiting waiting for an eligible student so our duty is not to find them we can't find them they can be standing next to us and we may not acknowledge them our job is to become a good student and they will arrive our job is not to find samadhi to get into meditation our job is to prepare ourselves for meditation and the meditation will be given to so this is the beauty of it the last question is it wrong to be attached to a goal that has good intention as an outcome see there is nothing wrong it's a stage look at it only as a journey a person who has never given anything in his life as a charity if he starts giving something because he gets some mileage out of it it's a good start don't snub that person and say hey you are showing off or oh, he does it because he gets a you know pr he has some he has got his name and holding on top of it well that is also a, a charity but at a different level it's a starting at least he has started so nothing is wrong in this life it only reflects within you your state of affair there are people who give billions and don't even talk about it there are people who give you one morsel and they take 10 pictures with that but both are right in their own state of life so let us not worry about you know judging anybody for that matter and don't worry about if you are right now looking for a mileage there's nothing wrong in it because sometimes encouragement is required initially when a small child does something we pat him but if you pat the same thing for same act if you pat an elder child he will say mom enough <laughs> i'm doing nothing great because the child has grown so the attachment also will fall off naturally once we have elevated so if you feel attached to the result outcome it's okay but in your heart know that one day this should also fall i must do things not with an attachment to the outcome i must do it for the joy of the act itself my act to help somebody should not be for that person's benefit it should be for my benefit for my happiness because that person is going to be fed anyways whether you feed him or not but in this process you are the one experiencing the joy of feeding and the moment you start realizing that fact then there will be shift of understanding then right now you may think 
I fed him. He satisfied. No, thank you for allowing me to feed you. I am satisfied. Will be the next stage of thanking. So initially, it can start by saying that, okay, hey, thank you. I fed you. So say thank you to me. Tomorrow it will be. I am saying thank you for allowing me to feed you. Because if I want to feed you and you don't eat, then I can't feed and I can't experience the joy and happiness of feeding. So you must be thanking all the beggars who accept, you know, things from you. Because if they don't accept it, then we'll be deprived even of, you know, experiencing the joy. So let us look at it from that. So this is the beauty of the constant integrated awareness. This is the beauty of living in in the consciousness. That everything is right in our own perspective. And who is the judge? I am the judge of myself. In fact, later on I realized that I can't even judge myself. Because I don't know myself properly. Today I think I am this and tomorrow I turn out to be different. And that internal thing which is happening within me is only I know. Nobody else. And that else who knows is my God. And if we find that kind of a personality, if we find that kind of a person, a teacher, hold on to him for your life. And that is the gift. If we have found that master, if we have found that God and Guru, that's not our grace, that is his grace. That's not our effort, that is his blessing, that we found him. So at least there is somebody who knows me better than me who can take care of me. And that is what we share here. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. And I think we have exceeded five minutes. So uh, I would again, once again, request all of you, I'm going to share our uh, uh, contacts details. And I will request all of you to please uh, uh, like the, what do you call, Please like the Facebook page and also the YouTube channel so that tomorrow for the next session we can we can inform you systematically. And I also would like to request you to please send me your questions, your comments, your suggestions. And uh, I try to answer most of your questions which are written here, like to share it. And I would encourage from the next session, people who would like to ask question is better to have a dialogue. So I can pull in few people. If you can let me know before, then I can block a person's like place here. And I would uh, really appreciate you all can come. Right now, I'm just flashing your questions. You can tell me beforehand. So please feel free to share your thoughts, your suggestions, your comments, your questions. And that way we can plan our next session accordingly. So tomorrow afternoon, we have another session for uh, teachers, focused on teachers. Obviously, those elements are open to everybody, uh, but it's focused on teachers. And we will be doing more. Now, so thanks to Corona, we have enough time. So if you have anything in mind in particular that you would like us to discuss here, please feel free to share. Uh, once again, thank you all for joining in. Appreciate all your participation and I appreciate all your, uh, you know, feedbacks. Thank you very much. God bless.